Well, we could do that. We could have a quiz next uh, next time. Well, we are here at the end of Colossians, and, and actually, I hope you've enjoyed the study. Um, hope you've been able to... Uh, there's a lot of truths in Colossians that we can apply to our lives, and I, I hope that you've been able to, to take some of the material and, and do that. In the... Uh, in, in the Bible, as in life, we we understand that there uh, that that leaders, and, and I don't think it's um, just something that goes with leadership, but um, but no matter how how capable we, uh, a leader is, they, they need partners. And uh, we can see that throughout the, the scriptures. In the, in the Old Testament, uh, for instance, Moses, Moses designated the heads of the, of the tribe, each tribe in Israel, to help him do the, uh, the work of, of uh, governing the people and managing uh, the load. He had, had the whole uh, of Israel coming to him to settle their problems and, and all of that. And it wasn't until his father-in-law Jethro came and said, Moses, you can't keep this up, that uh, he began to, to bring others in along with him. And, and we recognize that and uh, recognize the, um, uh, the importance of having um, somebody there supporting him. You may remember when they were doing battle, when Moses was still with the people and they were doing battle against the Amalekites, that uh, the two of his men stood and held his arms up because as Moses held his arms up, they, they were victorious in, in battle. When he got tired and lowered them, they began to, to the outcome of the battle began to shift. And so they, they helped him with that. Uh, David had 30 mighty men who uh, fought beside him and helped him defeat his enemies and encouraged him in, in various different ways uh, as he was uh, in between that time when he'd been anointed to be king but was not yet and was doing battle with uh, the forces of of Saul. Even in the New Testament, we find somebody as capable of, as Jesus of having uh, 12 disciples that he called who traveled along with him. And not only did he teach them and instruct them, but, uh, but they helped him at various times. They partnered with him in the, in the ministry to uh, help organize people and to, and to uh, provide things that, that he needed. And others, others did that too. So we learn from, from his ministry and uh, that we need companions and, and helpers. Uh, Carolyn has, has uh, likely learned that having a retired husband means having her day interrupted when I call and say, honey, can you come and help me <laughs> for a moment? Uh, sometimes I need an extra hand. Sometimes it's an extra ear. Sometimes it's an extra eye. Once in a while, I need more heart. And uh, Carolyn's always able to provide that for me. I need her. Well, as, uh, as gifted as he was, the Apostle Paul was in that same situation. He could not do it alone. We recognize Paul as one of the chief apostles of, of the New Testament, and certainly to the Gentiles. And, and we look at his, his writings, and, and that's 
what we're studying today. That's the things that we, we learn from. But on Paul's first missionary journey, he had, uh, he had Barnabas. And on his second, uh, he had Silas. On the third, he had, had Timothy. And, and on all three of those uh, journeys, he had a, uh, at least a handful of, of fellow workers who, on whom he, he depended a, a great deal. In the last dozen verses of Colossians 4, Paul recognizes nine individuals and identifies them, sends greetings from them to the church at Colossae. They were people on whom he had come to depend uh, throughout his ministry and was, was leaning on at that time. It isn't their names that are on the, the, the marquee. But every one of them deserved and was given his recognition because leaders need helpers. They need people to come alongside them. Before we close up the letter, I, I would like for you to, to meet them as, as well. Um, these last dozen verses of Colossians are not just something tacked on at the end. There's, there's much for us to learn from there. So I want to, uh, let's get started by reading that text, and then we'll, we'll pray together after that. Starting in verse 7, he says, Tychicus will tell you about all my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that we may he may encourage your hearts. With, and with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of, one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. Then see that you also read the letter from Laodicea and say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand, Remember my chains. Grace be to you. Let's pray together. Lord, this morning we, uh, we're coming to you, uh, fresh off a busy week. We're longing to be renewed and equipped, ready for the week that, that lies ahead of us. So Lord, I pray that you would, would please grant us that opportunity this morning as we join Paul in remembering his friends. We give the time to you and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
If you picked up a uh, copy of the notes, you've got uh, a lot that's not filled in there. You've got some blanks, but you've got a, a, a bit of a, a table that provides the names of, of the people that, um, that Paul mentions here. The first of them is Tychicus. That's where he starts in verse 7. And um, he's a, a man, I, I would have to say, of enviable character. He traveled with, uh, from Ephesus uh, with Paul near the end of, of Paul's third missionary journey. The um, part of what they were doing was carrying offerings from Galatia and uh, Achaia to, uh, to Jerusalem. And Tychicus was a, a representative of the Asian churches. And Paul took uh, Greeks and Asians, and, and, and he had uh, a few uh, Jerusalem Jews that were with him, only a, a couple. Uh, but they were going back to Jerusalem. They were meeting back there for the Jerusalem Council. And Paul wanted to, to take uh, a representative of all these different areas where people were coming to know the Lord as, as Savior. And Tychicus was one of those from uh, representing the Asian churches. And it's interesting to note that he did that, uh, Tychicus, in, in spite of a great personal uh, sacrifice and, and even risk of, of physical danger. Uh, that danger coming, being threatened from the Jews that were in, uh, in Syria and in Jerusalem. Uh, there was word that there were those who wanted to do harm uh, to the Apostle Paul. And in fact, we will find out or you can find out in the text. We don't have time to go through uh, all of the history of that. But because of those threats, uh, the text tells us that they uh, returned from Macedonia uh, instead of Syria. They took a different route, and they bypassed Syria on that route. And Paul was arrested in Jerusalem. He was in prison. He faced trials before three different rulers, uh, Felix, Festus and Agrippa, and then en route to, to Rome to stand trial before uh, Caesar, they were shipwrecked, and Tychicus was with him this entire time. And, and so we recognize that as a significant contribution that he made to the ministry, and it's not over yet. I would really encourage you when you have the time to, to, uh, to take your Bible, it's, you know, I, I don't know about you, I, I'm often interested when I pick up my Bible and I start reading Acts, I read in the beginning and I get uh, drawn in by those early days of the church when, when they were meeting in the upper room and the Holy Spirit came upon them and they began uh, preaching the gospel and, and, uh, and people were coming to, uh, to Christ in different ways and Peter preached that, that uh, powerful sermon, and 3,000 souls were baptized the first day. The, the history that's there is, is just rich. But reading the, the latter part of Acts is, is 
every bit as, as engrossing. I would encourage you to start, uh, if not before, start at chapter 20. And in verse 4, you end up with the, the account in which Tychicus is a part of that. And then, and then he begins to tell, um, the story is told of, of all of the things that happened to them uh, prior to, uh, to being where they are here in, in Colossians. So it's a, an interesting narrative. It covers the last eight chapters of Acts, and it's well worth your time uh, to read. That period of time covers five years. So when we think about the, the commitment that uh, Tychicus and some of the others made, it was at that time a five-year commitment, and it went further than that. In our text in Colossians, as we read, you may have noticed that Paul gives uh, Tychicus three different descriptions in, in verse 7. He calls him, first of all, a beloved brother. So, uh, of, of course, he is a, a brother in Christ, but there's a relationship that has developed there as well that is, uh, is very real, and, uh, and Paul truly does uh, love his friend Tychicus, he calls him a faithful minister. So whatever the responsibilities that Tychicus had, he did them well. He was faithful. He could be trusted in all of that. And then he calls him a fellow servant in the Lord. I, I, I'm not positive. I should have researched that just a little bit. But I think that that term fellow servant may have, re, have um, uh, referred in, in some way to his ability to, uh, to speak on behalf of the Lord and to serve the churches in that way. When I read these, uh, these words from Paul, it reminds me of that, that Pastor Summers and I used to describe what Paul did here, and we see it in, in other people as well, but we describe what Paul did as putting chips in someone's pocket. That... Um, and you, you may wonder, what kind of chips? What, what are you talking about? <laughs> These are credibility chips. Credibility chips. Every once in a while, and, and there's another place down here where it's very important. Um, Paul was, was perhaps anticipating the possibility that the saints in, in Colossae would say, Paul, we know, but who are you? When Tychicus showed up, and Tychicus did uh, show up. We'll talk about that in a minute. Paul preempted that question with credibility chips. He said, this is Tychicus. He's coming to you. He is a, a beloved brother, a fellow servant, a, a faithful servant, and a, a, a faithful uh, fellow servant in, in the Lord. And so uh, that's what credibility chips are, are for. They're those things that when people don't know you, they don't know who you are, um, sometimes it, it's helpful to have a few credibility chips in your pocket. And so uh, Pastor Summers was, I, I will say in his absence, was a man who was very good at passing out chips. And uh, <laughs> some of you probably recognize that. Well, Paul sent Tychicus to Colossae as a messenger and an ambassador of, of his ministry. If you uh, take a look at, at verse 8 uh, again, you'll see, I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know 
how we are and that we may encourage your hearts. So that was the purpose that he went. He was an ambassador from the Apostle Paul. But he carried news of the battle and how it was going for Paul, and he brought encouragement to the church uh, verbally and also through Paul's letter. What letter? The letter to Colossae. Tychicus was the one who carried that. He, but he was entrusted with, with, with Paul's letter that one of you have in your hands now was originally carried by Tychicus to the church at Colossae. But he, he, he was trusted with even more than that. Tychicus was accompanied by Onesimus, and we're going to talk more about Onesimus in, in a, uh, a moment, but look at verse 9, he said, And with him Onesimus, again, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you everything that has taken place. And believe me, there was a lot to tell. There was a lot to tell that involved Onesimus, and we're, we're, we're going to talk about that uh, in another another bit here, but um, there are uh, the fact that he did that. The fact that that Paul trusted Tychicus to take Onesimus to Colossians was a big deal. Um, he sent another letter with him, and that letter was addressed to Tychicus or to Philemon. And it's widely thought that the church at Colossae was um, in Philemon's home, that that's uh, where it was. And, and so, uh, and again, we'll talk about Philemon as well uh, in a moment, but there's more to say about Tychicus. There are three other references to Tychicus in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, or in Ephesians rather, in 2 Timothy, and then in Titus. And at the close of Ephesus, in chapter 6, Paul tells the church um, this in, in verses 21 and 22. Turn back with me there and, and see what he had to say. Verses 21 and 22. Again, these are his final greetings in the letter to the Ephesians. And he says, "...so that you may know how I am doing and what I am doing, Tychicus." The beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> it's exactly what he told the church at Colossae. And part of the reason why he said that is because Tychicus was the one who carried the letter to the Ephesians from Paul as well. So, as, as it stands right now, and as we, we look at that, we recognize that he was not only entrusted with the letter to Colossae, the letter to the Ephesians, but there's a third one here, and that was the letter to Philemon. And uh, all of those came at the, at the hand of, uh, of Tychicus. Those letters um, are both Colossians and Ephesians, are called prison epistles because Paul was in prison at the time that he wrote them. And they would have been, um, and, and both of the 
of those letters would have been copied and then delivered to the other churches in the region. So uh, even in, in this text in Colossians, he mentions the churches at Laodicea, uh, Laodicea and Hierapolis and, and things. They, they were called circular letters. So the circular was, was read by one, copied so that they maintained a copy. And then um, one, one teacher even says that in some of the original manuscripts, when it says this is the letter two, that two is left blank, and and it's uh, it's filled in by uh, by the church that that received it because it wasn't just for them, it was for others as well. So when you when you uh, open your Bibles and you read these letters, remember that Paul was in prison, and we can be thankful that we we have the letters because of the faithfulness of Tychicus. Uh, it's a, an important thing. There's something else that uh, we can know about Tychicus as well. After Paul was released from his first uh, jail stint in Rome, and was in, um, he wrote to, to Titus, and he asked, uh, Titus was the pastor at the church at Crete, and he wrote to Titus, and he asked Titus to come and spend some time with him. He, they had ministered together. He, he missed Titus. He needed his encouragement, and he wanted him to come uh, to him in, in the city of Nicopolis. And Titus had, uh, but like I said, he, he was pastor of a church at, at Crete. And as you read Titus, you recognize he had big responsibility there. And... Um, there was uh, trying to establish elders and 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 be in a, in, a, in a church that that didn't necessarily have the same um, Jewish influence and, and the, the teaching uh, of people who had, had grown up in that to give the a solid foundation for the the converts there. They were they were Greeks and uh, and uh, from the island of Crete. And uh, so that's what, uh, so he sent, uh, so Paul asked, in, in that situation, Paul sent Tychicus to be the, the interim pastor, if you will, for Titus, so that Titus uh, could come to him. I asked him, uh, we think anyway, may not have been. He, he suggested either Artemis or, or Tychicus would come and fill that position uh, for that. But there's something else we can know about him. Paul was um, eventually arrested a second time when uh, Emperor Nero was blaming Christians for the fires that were blazing in, in Rome. And uh, Paul was, was arrested during that time and was sentenced to execution. And so when we read the, the, the book of 2 Timothy, that book comes during Paul's second um, imprisonment, and you can tell there's a difference in the, in the tone of that letter. And, and once again, um, prior to his execution, Paul wrote to Timothy, and he asked him to come to Rome. Timothy was, uh, was the pastor of the church at Ephesus. Uh, he was a protege of, of uh, Paul's. And, and Paul wanted to see him again. So guess who Paul sent to be the, the pastor 
in Timothy's place at Ephesus during that time. It was Tychicus. So uh, that's the path Tychicus followed from messenger to pastor. Um, you just see him progressing as a man who was, who was committed to the ministry, who was faithful in it. And Paul recognized his importance and just kept giving him greater and greater responsibility along the way. He went from beloved brother to faithful minister to fellow servant in our Lord. So that's, uh, that's Tychicus. Uh, the next one on, on our list is Onesimus. And if you're looking at your notes, what you'll see is that each one of these characters, I've listed the scriptures that they're, they're referenced in, in case you want to go back and, and read those, uh, the, the scriptures outside of Colossians. So uh, Onesimus isn't mentioned anywhere else in, in the Bible except in the book of Philemon. So uh, that's where we find him. But let's talk about Onesimus and, and uh, Philemon. Onesimus, Onesimus's name actually means useful. And Paul describes Onesimus as a, a faithful and beloved brother. Uh, but there was a, a fly in this soup in this whole thing. Onesimus was from Colossae. Before he met Paul, he was in Colossae as a bond slave to Philemon. And he ran away. And somehow, through the providence of God, Philemon or uh, Onesimus ran to Rome, the city of two million people, and God connected him with Paul. Paul was able to introduce him to faith in Jesus, and Onesimus became a, uh, a useful helper to Paul in, in prison. Now, since Paul was sending Tychicus to Colossae, the time had, had come for him to send Onesimus back to Philemon. Along with uh, the general letter to the church, he wrote Philemon to uh, it wrote Philemon in order to encourage him to accept Onesimus back as a fellow brother in Christ and not as a runaway slave. As a runaway slave, it was a big step for Onesimus to even go back to Philemon as a runaway slave. He he could have been executed. It was uh, he he was trusting his life um, in, um, in Paul's hands, and, and of course then in the hands of Tychicus as well, who was going to be Paul's ambassador to Philemon. If you, um, you look at, at verse 10, you see that Paul said I, he, he made a, a compelling plea. He's saying, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Uh, it's it's a, a fun read through Philemon because um, Paul really knows how to pour on the syrup. <laughs> You'll see that when you when you when you read uh, through Philemon. But whether whether Philemon realized it or not. Paul gave Onesimus the same status 
of a spiritual son that, that belonged to Timothy and to Titus. Both of them were, were men who had come to know Christ under Paul's ministry. So um, the letter is, is a, a beautiful letter um, meant to invite um, Philemon to extend grace to Onesimus. And, uh, and again, like the end of Acts, Philemon is, is worth the time it would take you to read it. It's only one chapter uh, just before Hebrews. We don't know from this account how Philemon responded, but I don't know how he could read that letter from Paul and not have his heart um, softened. In addition to that, Paul said, I hope to come and see you as well. <laughs> so I, I think he recognized he was going to be stand accountable to, to Paul if he didn't uh, show grace. Uh, but Onesimus, like I said, isn't mentioned anywhere else in the New Testament. Uh, but one of the church fathers, uh, Ignatius, refers to Onesimus as the pastor of the church at Colossae. So um, we can assume from that that, that Philemon did show him, him grace. What can we learn from that? I, I think one of the things is that uh, in, in the work of Christ, our, our past doesn't matter. That's what redemption is all about. Uh, Paul found that he could meet up with a, a, a runaway slave and, and introduce him to Jesus Christ and turn him from a, a useless man who had become, uh, whose name is use, means useful. I don't know if I mentioned that, but his name means useful. He became useless to Philemon. And Paul's saying, I'm sending him back to you because he's useful again. So don't be discouraged when you stumble. Uh, confess, repent, and go on. Uh, we serve a God of second chances. And, and we will see that again as we get on the character list here. The next character on the list is Aristarchus. Uh, he is also mentioned in verse 10 where Paul calls him a fellow prisoner. And this is an interesting connection uh, to, uh, to this here. Uh, Aristarchus' name is Greek, but he was a, a Jewish uh, man from Thessalonica. When, uh, when the church was, was growing and, and facing a lot of persecution, in, um, in Jerusalem, many of the Jews fled the city and they went all out around the world. I, I think that it was part of the, one of the, the times when God uses uh, difficult situations to his own advantage, to, to spread the gospel uh, in, in a wider, wider area. Remember that in, in Acts 1.8, he said, you, you will... Um, share the gospel in Jerusalem, Samaria, and Judea, and the uttermost parts of, of the world. 
And, and that's what that persecution did. It moved those Jews out into those other areas in, in something um, referred to as the, the diaspora. Uh, it's the, the dispersion, if you will, of, of the Jews. Uh, Aristarchus would have been uh, uh, impacted by that. And so he had a Greek name. When Paul, uh, we, we know from the scriptures that when Paul visited Ephesus, Aristarchus was with him. Um, when uh, a riot broke out in Ephesus, because of, uh, which was a, a center for the worship of, of, of the goddess Artemis, um, the people there rebelled against Paul's words and, and, and rioted. I, it, it's interesting because as we look at our news today and we see the riots in the streets of uh, cities all over the world because of what's going on between uh, Israel and Palestine right now, you get a real picture of what it might have looked like uh, for these men to be in, in the heart of, of Ephesus and some of these other cities. But uh, Gaius and Art, uh, Arist Aristarchus were, were dragged into the uh, a center court um, for the people to, to, to judge. They'd have probably, I, they may have been beaten. The text doesn't actually say that. But um, they were attacked by the mob there when, when Paul, uh, and, and finally, the judiciaries in the area got them settled down and the, and, and the riot quelled. The next day, Paul and, and his entourage left for Macedonia. And when they did, Aristarchus went with him, along with Timothy, uh, Tychicus, and, and others. And like Tychicus, Aristarchus was a, a, a faithful servant of Paul all through his third missionary journey. Um, he, was, he was with him. And, and, and then in his first imprisonment in Rome, it was an a incredible act of, of self-sacrifice. It would, would seem, when Paul calls him a, a fellow prisoner, that Aristarchus willingly shared Paul's prison experience with him, even though he would not have had to. But he shared Paul's prison experience with him in order to, to care for him. Um, that sacrifice, isn't it? He is mentioned once more as Paul extends his greetings in his letter to Philemon. So uh, he, he's mentioned both places there. Well, moving on, we come down to the next name. Um, next name's kind of a surprising one if you know the background of, of Paul um, and, and, and the relationship with this man, and that's Mark. His, his mention demonstrates the power, uh, again, of restoration. In Acts chapter 15, as Paul and his missionary partner, uh, partner Barnabas wanted to take, uh, were going on preparing to start the second missionary journey, Barnabas wanted to take Mark, John Mark, along with them. And Paul refused. Barnabas uh, or Mark had, had been on the first journey with them, and for some reason or another, he had turned back. Whether, whether the, the journey got too rough, 
whether it was more than, than he thought he bargained for, uh, whether he was guided by fear or doubt or w whatever the reasons might have been, M Mark left and, and deserted the first journey and went back home. And so when Barnabas suggested that they take him on the second trip, Paul said, no, 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 not going to do that. And it caused a rift between Barnabas and, and Paul, such that Paul found a new partner in Silas, and Barnabas went a different direction with John Mark. Now, here, here we come to this uh, this point, recognize that somewhere along the way, um, Peter had taken John Mark under his wing. As you may know, <laughs> uh, Peter had his own problems with desertion. He had, uh, at the trial of, of Jesus, prior to Jesus' crucifixion, Peter had gotten fearful when a handmaiden asked him if he had been with Jesus, and he said no. And he, he hid his faith in his relationship with Jesus at that time. So maybe that, maybe that influenced in some way, gave Peter some sympathy for, for Mark. But he, he took him under his wing. We know that, not from any long explanation, but in, in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 13, Peter refers to Mark as his son. Well, it wasn't his physical son. Um, probably wasn't even his son in the faith. But he, but he took him as a son. And he, he nurtured him and he prepared him. So in the end, after all of that was done, Mark became one of Paul's most helpful companions. So again, we see restoration at work there. When, when Paul was in his, his final days and he asked Timothy to come to him uh, in uh, his imprisonment before his execution, he said, please, bring Mark with you. Because his service was needed. He said, he is useful to me. In this letter, uh, Paul sticks chips in Mark's pocket by in, in instructing the church to, at Colossae to welcome him if he comes there. Um, again, we look at this and we recognize that, that no one who fails needs to be permanent failure. Uh, we have that example. Because of his association with Peter, Mark uh, knew the stories of Jesus, and, and along with, uh, with just Matthew, Luke, and, and John, Mark wrote one of the Gospels. Mark, who had been a failure on the mission field, became the author of one of the, the, um, the Gospels that portrays Jesus as the, the suffering Savior. And, uh, and certainly, we see that the act of redemption in his, in his life. Well, further in, we, we read about Jesus' justice. He says, Jesus, who is called justice, 
not much is recorded re uh, regarding uh, Jesus' justice. Uh, justice was likely added to his name uh, to identify him from Jesus Christ so that when they were talking about him, they didn't leave any, cause any mistakes uh, about people thinking that they were talking about the Lord. They were talking about this man. And so they, they put on this, this name of, of justice, Jesus justice. Uh, the name has significance. It, as you might well expect, it means just. It means righteous. Um, it's, it, it's not like trying to live up to the name Jesus, but it's a pretty, it's a pretty high standard to live up to, wouldn't you think? They're, they're calling you just, they're calling you righteous. It's, it's a wonderful label to have placed on you. Uh, and he, along with Mark and, and Aristarchus, Starkus, were, were the only Jews from Jerusalem who were committed to Paul at the end. And Paul draws, draws that um, connection here in this passage. And then there was Epaphras. Epaphras is, uh, is mentioned next in, in um, the passage. Epaphras was, was, was special in this text. Um, he's a homeboy. Of, of the Colossian church. They had sent him uh, to minister to Paul in prison. On, on behalf of the, the church, they sent their pastor to minister to him. Um, he was the founding pastor of the Colossian church. His passion for his, his congregation shows in, in Paul's words when he says that Epaphras never stopped ministering to the churches in Colossae, Laodicea, and Hierapolis. Here was in, in Rome, but he was still ministering to his church. Now, how was he ministering to them? He said he, he labored for them in his prayers. Uh, prayer is a pretty good way to labor when you can't be with somebody, you can't have hands-on situations, you can still labor on behalf of others by laboring in prayer. And that's what Epaphras did. He labored for them, praying for that. Uh, Paul says he was always concerned for their, their maturity and their spiritual steadfastness. Epaphras demonstrated the, the kind of love an effective pastor must have. An effective pastor has to have that kind of, of, of affection for his congregation, that kind of dedication to his, his congregation. And, and Epaphras had it, and it did not go unnoticed by Paul. Another name that we recognize although it doesn't show up nearly as often in the Scripture as we would think, is Luke. He's next on Paul's list here. In verse 14, Paul mentions his personal physician and beloved friend, Luke. Uh, Luke's only mentioned by name three times in the entire New Testament. Does that seem odd to you? It, 
it, it did to me. 